I'm kind of curious uh, how it's going to flow out, but <clears throat> a little nervous, but I think I think it'll go on the record anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Alright, so I'll go for it. Alright. Welcome to the Practically Theologians podcast. We're back again, finally. I'm here today. This is Josh, and I'm with Ferris, and we're going to kind of briefly talk about something we're again learning in our homiletics class from the book Biblical Preaching by Haddon Robinson, which we discussed in podcasts last year, actually. But today I thought we'd go through the idea of an idea. What is an idea? How can it be helpful? in uh, sermon prep on the one hand, but also we kind of thought it might be uh, something to introduce in terms of how it might be helpful in general Bible study. So, Ferris, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> how you doing this fine Sunday? It's it's a wonderful day. It's probably about 50 degrees outside and pretty, pretty sunny right now. Yeah. yeah. And a great Sunday. I, I just got back from Horn Peak. That was quite the hike. That was yesterday, was right? Yesterday, mm-hmm. and we hiked straight up. No, mm-hmm. not quite, but 4,450, 4,450 feet up. Yeah, it is about 9,000 feet here at the seminary, and Horn Peak is probably about 300 feet shy, maybe 500 feet 500, shy of yeah. 14,000 feet. Just shy of 14,000. Yeah. So, so if I jumped really high... I could have said I got to the four, uh, did a fourteener. <laughs> really, really high. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, Ferris, we're yeah. here to talk about ideas, and we're kind of defining the idea that the word idea as what we find in the book that we're studying in homiletics. What's an idea? You know, it's it's kind of funny. The answer to the question of defining an idea it doesn't doesn't always just come so naturally. Um, but, uh, perhaps, perhaps it's easy to just describe preaching that does not have an idea versus preaching that does have Ah, a central idea. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Preaching that does not have a central idea. Uh, you walk away from it. If it's a, if it's a good sermon without a central idea, you might walk away from it with a lot of really helpful points and, things that you remember that were very good quotes, but you don't have one thing, just one central thing in your back pocket that you can remember that the preacher said, this is the one thing I want you to learn. Um, so that might be, at least without some help from reading Haddon Robinson's book, probably the best I could define an idea is in terms of what preaching without an idea looks looks like. Uh, an analogy that I read in an article that was a pretty good article that my pastor sent me was um, that the the central idea of a sermon is like driving one nail home firmly with a hammer, and the 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 sermon that has no central idea but has several not very well driven nails is like driving nails partially, and yeah. the well driven nail is going to hold. But those partially driven nails are likely going to work them their, their way out uh, at some point. Yeah. And, and in the book, of course, he uses the analogy of a bullet versus buckshot. 
mm-hmm. which I thought was good. Although a buckshot can be pretty effective at close range. <laughs> it's just not very particular. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was so, also thinking when you were saying that, uh-huh. maybe it's like Israel in the wilderness wandering for 40 years mm-hmm. versus Israel crossing the Jordan finally. Mm-hmm. Getting to the point. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, perhaps an idea could be defined as one answer to one question. You okay. think that would be a good way? When you really boil it down, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure. So let's talk about the, uh, there are several f- stages of developing an idea for sermon preparation or for structuring your sermon or getting ready to deliver a message to God's people. And uh, the first one would be studying the passage and getting what is called the exegetical idea. And then the second is formulating a homiletical idea, which is uh, different than the exegetical idea. And then the third would be actually developing what, what is called here in our seminary, and I've seen it in other places, the proposition. Or it's kind of the statement of what you should be, know, or do um, that kind of drives everything you say in your sermon. So, uh, so Ferris, let's talk about an exegetical idea in particular, and then... Let's get down to what a homiletical idea is, but thinking about it from the point of view of someone who's studying their Bible personally, not necessarily who's going to be delivering a sermon, um, I just thought it might be a helpful way to look at the Bible. Because, um, mm-hmm. believe it or not, God has a point, <laughs> and the authors, all the individual authors that God used to write his word, they all had a point, mm-hmm. and uh, their main points got broken up into subpoints, et cetera, et cetera, so... Um, believe it or not, the Bible has a point. So, so uh, Ferris, what's an exegetical idea? It might be helpful first to start by defining exegesis. Um, exegesis, uh, I don't actually know what the second part of the word means off the top of my head. The beginning. The I don't beginning. Know. I don't know. G, the G-E-S-I-S. <laughs> but the ex, exa part comes from... The Greek, a Greek um, preposition meaning out, out of. of, out of. So or if from. you can imagine, you've got a bowl, and you you take something out of the bowl that you found within the bowl, um, versus eisegesis, which would be uh, or ice into. into. So if you can think of Jesus. Uh, we're talking about with Jesus a G, not here a with a G and an I. <laughs> Jesus, not Jesus, Jesus. Um, it, it, it's basically how do you read the text? How do you understand it? Do you look at it, try to understand what the original author meant, and try to get that out of the text? Or are you reading your own ideas into the text? Um so that's that's basically reading things out of the text that are really there. It would be exegesis. So an exegetical idea is basically trying to locate why did the author write this? What is his point? What is he trying to get us to understand when we read the book of Jonah? You know, what, what's the thing we can take away from Jonah chapter 4, for an example? All right. And the parts of an idea then, I mean, if we're trying to get to what is the author talking about, what is he trying to tell us, 
add in Robinson and he gives us some some guidance. We can ask two questions to put together to get the idea. One is what is the subject of this passage and what is and then second is what is the complement of this passage? And um, mm-hmm. he kind of talks about the subject as asking a question like who, what, when, where, what, uh, which, uh, when, where, why, how, why, how, who, what, when, where, why, how. Man, I always get stuck on that. But yeah. Anyway, you ask that, you, and and the subject is what is the author talking about, and it should be stated in the form of a question. Your answer, I that's kind of you know. Yeah. I guess that's a Jewish way of doing things. You answer mm-hmm. in the form of a question, right? Right. Right, right. Yeah, sure. Anyway, the subject should be stated in the form of a question. So, how do you get free ice cream? Might be the subject of, of a uh, short story, right? Yes. The compliment then would be the answer to that question. What is the author talking about? Is the subject? So the compliment is, what is the author saying about what he is talking about? Right. So if the subject was, how do you get free ice cream? Mm-hmm. The compliment might be by. Sneaking into a store and stealing it. Mm-hmm. Or it might be by being kind to your mother and your father. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty lousy example, but <laughs> but that's an example. Yeah. So the subject asks a question of the text. What is the author talking about? The compliment asks, answers what is the author talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so basically... Um, and you put those together to get the idea. Yeah. You get free ice cream by being nice to your mother and father. Right. There you Absolutely. Go. Yeah. So what what question is the text answering would be um, how you arrive at the exegetical idea. Um, so we thought it would be fun to do... Dead, uh, dead horse. We, we thought we'd, we'd do Psalm 131, right? And we're, we've come to a, uh, a consensus on exactly what our subject and complement is, right? I don't know that we really have. <laughs> nope, probably not. But uh, but we're going to go for it. Yes. So Psalm 131 is a whole three verses long, which is about perfect for a podcast. Short podcast. And it says, A song of ascents of David. Mm-hmm. O Yahweh, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in Yahweh from this time forth and forevermore. And you guys might want to get out your Bibles uh, or something to read this text from as we discuss what we think might be the subject of this of this uh, psalm of ascents. Unless you're listening to this on the road. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're driving, don't worry about it. Yeah, then just get out your smartphone and pull it up on your smartphone. No, 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 no. Don't do it. Just listen and trust us. Yeah. Or pull over. Pull over. <laughs> so so what do you think the uh, subject is? And we already discussed this, and we came to kind of a fine conclusion. But let's just talk about what the psalm says first. Uh, the first verse. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Yeah, the first verse. It, David's saying three things. Yeah. He says not three times, right? Yep. He says not three times. Addressing the Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. Interesting. He says the word too, T-O-O. Yes. Um, I'm not sure what the Hebrew is. I didn't look it up, but, Mm -hmm. but we can read the English. Um. And so that would imply that he's gone to improper lengths. Yes. Right? Yes. 
So in my consideration of this, which hasn't been very long, uh, I would I would kind of think that David is is in three parallel ways addressing that he does he is not living a life in reliance upon his own intellect, and I think you could you could branch into other areas of life with that, um, you know, with his heart not being lifted up. It seems throughout the scriptures, the heart is. Uh, Kind of the the seed of not just emotions, but also of, or really not the seed of emotions. The bowels are more the seed of emotions. But the heart is more the seed of of consideration and and meditation. And so, for his heart to be lifted up is is to be proud and to to see things only through his own lens. That that's kind of what what I would see going on here. What did you think, Josh? Yeah, yeah, sure, you betcha. Mm-hmm. To use a Minnesotan term. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think heart lifted up would be setting your hearts on things that are not yours. Mm-hmm. Lifting yourself up, your heart up, with basically setting your hope on, well, I'm, I'm cheating a little bit, setting your hopes on something that you do. My mm-hmm. heart is not lifted up. I don't raise myself up to grasp at things, to give myself contentment, to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to love, in other words, to dwell on. Mm-hmm. So let's just say David had a big, big room of coins that he jumped into and swam in every, every morning to uh, raise his spirits or something. Sure. I don't know, maybe... Yeah, but the idea of pride is there for sure. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm not entirely sold out that my view is correct. Um, I think this could also include, and it would at least be a biblical conclusion that uh, self reliance is is never a positive thing mm-hmm. in the eyes of God. So uh, keep in mind as you're listening, we're not actually exegeting this text for you. We're only giving you an idea of what the idea of the text is, an example of how to come to the idea. Um, by the way, just so you guys know. Absolutely. Yes. Because this would be, you wouldn't want to hear this thing. From, I don't know. I'll just, I'll stop while I'm ahead. I'm not ahead. But anyway, me. so can we say for sure it has something to do with pride? Yes. Um, then what's the contrast then? We see verse 2, the English says, but, and that's pretty much what the Hebrew would say Yeah, if we read it in context. Mm-hmm. What's this weaned child stuff talking about? Sure. Uh, contrary to a heart that's lifted up and eyes raised high and occupying himself with things that are too great and too marvelous for himself, he has calmed himself and quieted his soul like a weaned child, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And if you compare a weaned child to a, a nursing child, this is something that uh, one of our seminary professors had spoken about related to this passage. A weaned child, or a, a nursing child, goes to his mother for food. But a weaned child uh, is able to go to his mother for comfort. Uh, I think, yeah. You gave the example of the child gets stung by a bee or skins his knee that he's able to go to his mother for, for comfort. 
Um, yeah, it's not just physical. Mm-hmm. Is in other words, the child's mother is not just the object mm-hmm. that that the child goes to to get something from. Yeah, she's a person who comforts the child. Absolutely, it's not just the child wants milk, mm-hmm. and that's why he goes to his mother. She is a human mm-hmm. who comforts him, so yeah. he looks for for uh, yeah taking shelter right. or something maybe. Another thought I had is that this child has had to deal with the fact that according to his mother's will, the the flow has stopped, so to speak. It uh, there is there's not going to be any more nursing at this point, and that's something that I think uh, nursing can or weaning can be stressful for a child. Uh, but having to to be able to hope in God while He has willed something to stop, that He is still going to be the one that you go to for comfort. He's not a a gumball machine. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, what might the subject of this psalm be? And talking about this before the podcast. We came up with the question that would be the subject. <clears throat> and this is what we came up with. And maybe, Ferris, you're okay with it. Maybe you're mm-hmm. not. Maybe you want to change it. But sure. it was, how does David find contentment? This would be the subject. And so what we would do then is we would take that subject and ask the question, what is the author saying about how David finds contentment? Mm-hmm. Okay? That would be our compliment to the subject. So, so now the compliment. What is the author saying about how David finds contentment? Mm-hmm. Assuming this is the correct subject, remember we're not actually sure. exegeting this. Yeah, but good place to start. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's a starting point. And by the way, this is you can get several ideas and think, oh wait, that's not exactly right. And then you go back and you reformulate because mm-hmm. what you want is an idea that ends up encompassing the whole section that you're looking at. Yeah. So anyway, and, and even if we don't arrive at the right idea, this is a useful process. Yeah. And unless we completely botch it, I think I think we'll we'll be better off having be considered vic- it this. We're going to be in the vicinity. Yes. And, yeah. But I think the answer to that question of how does David find contentment is, if we could just state it in one way, it's by humbly hoping in the Lord. Would you agree with that, Josh? That would be one way to state it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, why wouldn't you put any negations in there, right? We kind of talked about this. Yeah, we argued about this for a long time and... Uh, Discussed. Yeah, we cried and then we hugged. Then we punched. Yes, and, that, and then we, we... Shook hands. Shook hands afterwards. We're all good now. And stole some ice cream. Yes. Uh, well, Margarita wasn't looking. Um, and we, uh, what we came up with, with how does David find contentment... <clears throat> originally was by not looking to himself but by hoping in God or or you could simply shorten it by hoping in God not himself and one of the things and I'm not entirely sold on this as said in Haddon Robinson's book is the recommendation that a homiletical idea or your idea for preaching only be stated in the positive. Um, but when we're talking about an exegetical idea, 
um, which is basically the idea that's presented in the text. To me, it seems like he does state this as a dichotomy. I don't hope in myself, but I do hope in Yahweh. What do you, what do you, any thoughts regarding that, Josh? Having a exegetical idea that has a negative in it. I think negatives help explain a positive, mm-hmm. and therefore I think you could leave them out. Yes. Of an exegetical idea. Mm-hmm. But people disagree with me. Sure. I would at least say, if you're going to have the idea be, David finds contentment by hoping in Yahweh, that you would need to unpack that to say, what isn't, what does that not look like? Because David does say what that does not look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, but the point of it is how he finds contentment. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the psalm, it says, Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Mm-hmm. And apparently it's an exhortation that moves from David personally outward to the nation as a whole to hope in the Lord and not to hope yeah. and trust in, let's see, we have kings, we have false worship, we have uh, wives, we have power, mm-hmm. all these things we could hope in. In other words, ourselves, I suppose. Yes. It's either us or God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so would you agree then that the compliment to how does David find contentment would be something like by going to the Lord for hope? Or you know what might be useful? By hoping in the Lord alone. And then that way you and I can kind of come to some sort of middle road right, compromise. Right. Man. Because Kinda secretly, like yeah, all right. Secretly, they're at least neutral. <laughs> okay, <Sorry>. yeah. <laughs> that look okay. on your face, <laughs> yeah, Austria. I was just referring what? to their neutrality. That's all. Okay, okay. Maybe I meant Switzerland. You did mean Switzerland. <laughs> that that would have made sense. All right. Anyway, so like Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm thinking of the sound of the sound of music now. Okay. Um, but yeah, secretly, that statement, by hoping in the Lord alone, would actually include the negation right. that I want to include. So then you'd have a subject of how does David find contentment? A compliment of by hoping in the Lord alone. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it's in Yahweh alone, which is even more significant than just saying the Lord. Sure. Um, but that's another subject, another podcast. Yeah. So the idea then would be something like, David finds contentment by hoping in the Lord alone. Mm-hmm. And so as you read this psalm, that is kind of the, the main point of the psalm that you could take away from the psalm. Um, and then all the particulars fall into that, and you can kind of have a place. I, I like to think of an idea as a coat hanger where you can hang all the mm-hmm. all the coats. Well, I maybe mean, that's a bad analogy. Mm. I mean, I don't wear more than one coat normally, but but that's how I like to think of it. Maybe maybe a uh, I was gonna say curtain rod, not a coat <laughs> hanger, but a a coat a rack. laundry line. How about a that? laundry line where you can hang all the pieces of laundry that are all the little pieces of this mm-hmm. thing. Like, don't lift your heart up high, don't raise your eyes too high, uh, don't occupy yourself with things too great and too marvelous. 
Go to the Lord like a weaned child with its mother. Um, your soul will be comforted like a weaned child if you do this. Mm-hmm. All those pieces, you can hang on to something, mm-hmm. which is the idea. That's kind of why I like to come up with an idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, must be 4 o'clock. Let's, let's just let her rip there. All right. Okay. We're in the lodge right now at the Sangre de Cristo Seminary, by the way. Mm-hmm. Forgot to say that in the introduction. Yeah, we're sitting by a wood stove. And- yep. And I need to go for ice cream pretty soon, actually, speaking mm-hmm. of ice cream. Sure. Um, but yes. uh, but I hope I hope this has been helpful. So so that's how you get an idea. So you can go to any t- section of text that you're studying. And one of the first steps you should do is, if you're going to be doing this, is you, you need to be able to break, break the text into a logical starting point and a logical ending point uh, if you're going to be doing this. But I think when you're doing personal Bible study, if you can first find that text break you you kind of find your section of text what where's the author's idea begin and where's the author's idea end it, it can be a helpful thing to to get get the idea so that you kind of have a a main point that you can take away from from the scripture mm-hmm. um i tend to forget things pretty easily so if i have 10 things to remember i might remember none of them where if i have one thing to remember i might remember it yeah um i don't know maybe other people are different but sure Thought we'd it'd be it'd be uh, helpful maybe to talk about this for the sake of personal Bible study. Mm-hmm. Um, what are we missing, Ferris? Uh, I think just a recap of why this is important. And uh-huh. how does that move into the homiletical idea? Would be an interesting thing to talk about in terms of mm-hmm. even personal Bible study. Right. I think David's talking to Israel and himself. Who cares about me? Yeah. Does this apply to me? So the basically the homiletical idea is moving from what did this say to the original audience versus how does this apply specifically to the audience I'm speaking to? Yeah, I would I would eliminate the word verses in that, but yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, not you verses. You, yeah. Didn't, you didn't mean like setting them as they're not separate. But you're saying yeah. you're moving from back then to now because of our right. common humanity that yeah. we share with these people. Mm-hmm. In the past, and our common God, who speaks yes. to us, who does not change. Did. Yep, as He did to them. Yeah, right. So we're different than those people. Yes, in one sense, but in another sense, we're not different from those people. We are sinners in need of grace. Yes. Um, yeah. So the homiletical idea is a good thing to think about, and sometimes it's pretty much the same as the exegetical idea. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's very different. Yeah. Um, but the pro- the point is, we mm-hmm. are still sinners. We still right. are humans. We tend to think in the same way, which is hating our neighbor and hating yeah. God. And uh, we still tend to need God's redeeming grace that helps us to learn uh, toward or work toward and learn toward loving God and loving our neighbor mm-hmm. by our changed hearts. Um, anyway, is there anything else we need to discuss, though? You were saying? How long we've been at this right now? Half an hour. We've been at it for half an hour? That's well, right. I think just I think just recapping. Um Basically, if I could put it in my own words, uh, when you look at a text, getting the exegetical idea out of it, the way I like to phrase it is, what question is the author trying to answer in this? And mm-hmm. then the compliment being, how is he answering that question? Mm-hmm. Or you could say, what is the author talking about? And then the compliment, what is the author saying about what he is talking about? And we didn't even talk about going too broad with this. Going too broad. For example, Psalm yes. 131. 
It says no extra uh, charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Ready? This is too broad. Uh -huh. All right. What should you not do? <laughs> yeah, that's that's far too broad of a. Or subject. what should you do to state it positively? Uh huh. <laughs> what yeah. should you do? And then the answer would be hope in the Lord. You could even say have hope. Have hope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> far too broad. Anyway. Yeah. We didn't get into that, but we didn't have time to get into that. Yeah, and that would break our rule of, of only having one one idea to cover. <laughs> well, that's for a sermon. <laughs> okay, yeah. This is our podcast. We can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter what Haddon Robinson has to say. Well, that's true. It doesn't matter what Haddon Robinson has to say. <laughs> sure. But if it's true, it might matter. I don't yeah, know. absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, may maybe the best thing we could do is just close in prayer. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we got to consider your word. I, I just pray that the teaching would be profitable to people and they would be able to search the text for what it is you were trying to communicate and be able to look at that through um, understanding what question the author was trying to answer and how it is he answers that question and be able to apply it to our lives for your glory in jesus name amen amen and thank you for listening to the podcast as usual email us if you'd like to we don't get very many emails that's at podcast at practically theologians.org and i think we're also on facebook still i don't really check facebook very often and maybe twitter don't really check twitter but uh somebody does I believe Andrew's on top of that. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, email us if you like. If you have any feedback, or if you have any ideas for a topic, or if you just like to know about the seminary, and we could do a podcast on that. Uh, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. And peace out. <laughs> peace out.